First Timothy chapter 6, verses 3-10, through 10, these are God's words. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing... With these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful losses, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So for the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. So at the end of verse 2 in last week's portion, the apostle had told Timothy, teach and exhort these things, which was very similar to the end or rather the whole of verse 11, these things command and teach. In between those sections, he talked about Timothy maintaining his own honor in verses 12 through 16 of chapter 4, of how he Timothy was to treat uh, all the church members, the different ones with the different sorts of honor, in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. The honor that was due to the full-time praying widows on the payroll, chapter 5, verses 3 through 16, the double honor that is due to faithful elders, chapter 5, verses 17 through 24, and the all honor of which we we are to count earthly masters worthy in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6. Now this honoring of others is something that Uh, is done especially for God's sake, which is what we heard in verses 1 and 2, reminding us that everything is from and through and to the Lord, and to Him belongs all the glory. We exist for the worship of God. We exist to know Him. We exist to worship Him. Not to get what we want, Not for our own pleasure or for our own desire. We live, we exist in order to know and to worship God. And that's why we are able to and ought to honor others. So, Sophia, the first and great thing in your life, which is still five years in, the main thing in your life, is to honor and obey mommy and daddy because you exist to worship God 
and obey God, and he has made you a daughter in your parents' house. If you live thinking about what you want, what you want to do, what you want to get, how you want other people to think of you, you are living for yourself and you are living for this world. You are living in a way that this passage, this scripture says, is going to pierce you through with many sorrows. Now, when we read the word of God, we are to recognize, or when we read the scriptures, we are to recognize that the scriptures are the very words of the Lord Jesus. So the apostle says in verse 3, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, or even those of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which means that this passage, and all of First Timothy, and all of the Bible, Sophia, are the very words of the Lord Jesus to us. Not just the word of Jesus in some kind of unparticular uh, way of just thinking as a general idea, but that every single word of the Bible is a particular word of the Lord Jesus. So he uses the plural here. He doesn't say, uh, does not consent to the wholesome word, singular, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the great reason that it is so important for you. This is the great reason that it is so important for you to learn to read and to pay attention and to listen. Because Jesus uses words. Every word of the scripture is a word of Jesus. So when we read it, we must read it in a way in which we pay attention and let our minds be taught and corrected by the Bible. And we should have our hearts submitted to and obeying the Bible. We read the word and we listen to it explained in a way that worships Jesus. That says, these words are the very words of my God and my Savior. And I must be careful how I hear them, that I pay good attention that I listen to them with an obedient and submissive heart. And one of the ways that we can tell that that's the way we're listening to the Bible is what we do with the Bible. Now, not everyone agrees with one another about what Bible passages mean. This is because we are foolish and we are sinful, and we are trying to think of another word than stupid, but we are stupid. And so, uh, when we disagree with one another, it is because at least one of us, and probably to some extent both of us, are wrong. And yet we want to know what it means, we want to know what it says, we want to know how to think, we want to know what to do. And if we come together and we are worshiping God and the way that we listen to his words, we are going to be taught, we are going to be exhorted, we are going to agree, we are going to obey. But there is another way of treating the words of the Bible, and it is not treating the Bible as the words of Jesus, even though many people who say that they believe that the Bible are the words of Jesus treat the Bible that way. 
Listen, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine, which means teaching, which accords with godliness, he is proud. Okay, so the first way that you could tell that someone is not treating the Bible as the words of God is if they are not wanting to be holy, loving God, knowing God, wanting to serve him, wanting to obey him. The second way is he is proud, knowing nothing, obsessed with disputes and arguments over words. And so he might like to talk about the Bible. He might even say, this is just how I do theology. By always disputing, by always arguing. But someone who is always disputing and who is always arguing is not using or responding to the Bible as the words of Jesus. They're not worshiping by the way they listen. Even when we disagree with one another, we do so, we ought to do so, in a way that is humble, not proud. In a way that worships Jesus and wants to know, wants to love him, is always being corrected. We're always soft-hearted, and we ourselves are lowly before him. Not always raising ourselves up and pushing other people down. How are these uh, people who use the Bible, how will we look? if we use the Bible incorrectly. So out of these disputes and arguments, verse 4, come envy and strife and reviling, which means you think very low of others and are always disgusted with them and looking down on them. Evil suspicions, always assuming what other people are intending to do and knowing what they are up to. If we find ourselves thinking like that about others, then we're treating, then we may well be treating the words of God incorrectly because we are not being humbled and corrected and taught. Useless wranglings of corrupt minds, empty of the truth, destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is gain. And New King James has replied, uh, supplied a means of but you see here the difference between godliness or Bible reading or theology as wanting to understand Jesus, wanting to obey Jesus, loving him and wanting to know how to love him better, knowing him and wanting to know how to know him better, or wanting others to know how good we are, wanting to get things. And he says... Those who use the Bible in a way that is not submitted to the Lord Jesus, seeking to know him and love him together, don't spend time with them. You know, they start doing their theologizing and their disputing and their arguing and just go find someone else to be around. That's what verse 5 says. It says, from such, withdraw yourself. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry out. And that's not just, you can't carry out possessions, 
You don't get to carry out your other people's opinions of you either, or your opinion of yourself. When you leave this world, when you enter the immediate presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of the holy angels, the presence of the souls of the just made perfect, it will not matter how highly you thought of yourself or how lowly you thought of others. It will not matter how highly they thought of you. It will not matter what job you had. It will not matter how much was in your investment accounts on the mo at the moment you died. It will not matter how many silly records you set, if any, while you were in this world. Everything that you gained, whether property or honor from men or wealth from uh, from men or wealth of this world, it will be gone. You can't carry any of it out. The only thing you can carry from this world is Christ, if you have him. And there's the conformity to Christ that he has worked in you, if there was any. Godliness is literally the only thing we get to take from this world to the next. And so, being content with little, which is actually a form of godliness, the keeping of the Tenth Commandment, contentment is gain. Everything else that we thought was gain would be lost. And it will be lost. And so he says in verse 8, Having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. These are things that our Father in heaven knows that we need. He knows even that the birds need food. And he clothes the flowers. And he's our Father in heaven. And he gives us as much as is good and wise and right for us. Those who desire to be rich, those who desire more than the Lord has appointed for them, they fall into temptation and into a snare, into many foolish lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So this desire to elevate myself that expresses itself when we're handling the Bible in being an argumentative type person. It is also the sort of thing, this desire to elevate ourselves or get for ourselves. It leaves us open, exposed to sin and temptation. Because now we're not living in a way that loves Jesus and wants to obey the Lord and serve him with our whole life. We're living in a way that wants to get for ourselves. And so, elevating ourselves, we become willing to do whatever we want to get what we want instead of doing what Jesus wants to give him what he wants. And we make our life about ourselves. And soon we find ourselves not just compromising, but outright sinning. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. It's like the, the riptide. It looks pleasant to them to, to go swimming, to live for themselves, when the pull of the sin is going to drag them under and drag them out and drown them. And that will happen to you if you live for yourself, if you want to be the one who is in charge, if you want others to think well of you, if you want to accumulate possession for yourself. If you just want to have pleasant feeling experiences. 
But if you're content with the Lord Jesus, then you have the greatest honor. You're joined to him. If you're content with the Lord Jesus, then you have the greatest treasure. You have him. If you're content with the Lord Jesus, then you have the greatest pleasure. You delight in him. So you can either love gain or love him. And the love of gain is described in very concrete terms, or rather not concrete, but silver terms. For the love of money, and it's literally a verb that takes the verb for love and the word for silver and mashes them together. The love of silver is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You can be joined to Jesus and love him and receive all of the benefit of having him and belonging to him in this life and in the next and be blessed forever. You can love silver and be joined to it and drowned and destroyed and pierced through. And it's not just silver, mind you. It's everything earthly, everything for which a man or a woman lives for himself. Even a man or a woman who uses the Bible and argues about the Bible still living for themselves and living for this life. And so let us recognize that the Bible is the words of Jesus that are to be read and heard and thought of and responded to in an attitude of worship. Let us live a life of worship, enjoying him, loving him, being content with him, serving him. Because when we come to leave this world, he and the work that he has done in conforming us to himself is the only thing that we will be able to carry out of it. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would forgive us our sin and save us from it. For the desires of the flesh sowing to the flesh instead of the spirit from which we would reap destruction it does so easily ensnare and drag down and destroy and pierce us through and even we who have your word and know that it is yours are so easily susceptible and vulnerable to it to our own sinfulness and so we pray that you would Give us by your spirit to be those who are humble to be taught and those who are humble to be commanded and exhorted that the words of the Bible would be for us the very words of our Lord Jesus Christ which are wholesome and good and able to give us him and able to give us godliness by your spirit's use of them. We pray that your spirit would use the words of the Bible to give us faith in Christ, that by faith we might have Christ himself and grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. Grant that that would be the case for each one of us, lest we perish as those who lived in order to gain for ourselves in this world that which we could not take out of it. Have mercy, O God, on us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.